This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 207, recorded on March 26th, 2015. T-10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of the class. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios. Here in a snowy, we, we had a little flurries today, which is kind of odd for this time of the year in Nebraska, but we did. And of course, we post the show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can contact the show. Send us an email. Just send that to me. Uh, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Track us down on Twitter at Jay Collison. I, just, I don't know why I said us. It's just me. And then uh, call in those questions. And actually, we have a call in tonight. We're going to play here in just a few minutes from Kyle. Uh, you can call those in 402-478-8450. If you're driving, uh, don't try to write that down while you drive. But stop. Write that number down. Call it in. Actually, what I'm really looking for, the questions are great, by the way. But what I'm really looking for are tips, too. So. You figure something out at work, it's kind of cool, you know it'd be great average guy material, but it's not long enough to come on the show and you know take up 30 minutes. Uh, just call it in, and uh, you can take two, three, four, five minutes to talk about it. We'll play on the show. It would just be a great way. I'd like to try this crowdsourcing of tips, so call it in. If it's a really good tip, I'll call you back, and maybe we'll do uh, get you on home tech tips, which I need some material for, and uh, that would be great. So 402-478-8450. And uh, get those in. Of course, the average guy.tv is powered by Maple Grove Partners Web Hosting. Of course, it's Christian. And so, you know, you get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people you know and trust. Both Mike and I are using, Mike Weger and I are using, uh, we're using a Maple Grove Partners. And uh, you can get more information out there, maplegrovepartners.com. And that's just Christian behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Support him because he supports us. And uh, we appreciate that. And of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the Link to this show as well as an upcoming Apple show called Open Mic Night that Mike Weger runs will show up on the Geeks Network here pretty quick out at the Geeks Network, all in word, thegeeksnetwork.com. You can join us in chat, watch or listen live on YouTube and on Spreaker, as well as find all the navigation and a lot of good stuff out at theaverageguy.tv. All right, we've got some stuff to go through tonight. I want to introduce you. You remember Mike Weger from two weeks ago because we brought him on and then we took a week off. <laughs> we both had things to do. Uh, but uh, Mike's going to join us on a regular basis now on Home Gadget Geeks. So Mike Weger, we have two Mikes tonight. So Mike Weger, welcome back to Home Gadget Geeks. Good to be back. Glad to be uh, back podcasting after a week off. Good to have you. Did you have a good week off? Was it, uh, I, I, was, uh, I was out at a marine drill basic training kind of thing. What, what were you doing on your week yeah, off? Yeah, I was uh, down in Mexico. So it was a yeah, that was a good yeah, week off. Yeah, it was a it was a solid weekend. So yeah, good. Well, good to have you back. And then our guest tonight, he's no uh, he's no stranger to the show. We've had him on a couple times before. Whenever he's on the program, we talk about software development. It's always interesting, and we always try and keep it average, guys. So Mike Binkovich is here. Mike, welcome back to Home Gadget Geeks. Hey, thanks, Jim. Good to good to be back. I was trying to remember the last time you were on, and I think we were, we might have still been home tech. It was maybe last mm-hmm. summer or something like that. Do you think it's, that it's been a few months? Yeah, and you're up uh, you're up north. Tell us a little bit. Just remind us a little bit who you are, what you do, where you're located, those kinds of things. So I'm Mike Vankovich. Um, I'm up in, up north, up in Minnesota, where you know 
well, I guess it's the average guy's kind of, you know, paradise. You know, it's <laughs> the frozen, nice, beautiful day. The frozen. It was 73 degrees, sunny. Um, you know, I spent most of it out fishing and uh, just kind of hanging out. But, uh, no, actually, it's uh, actually kind of kind of bittery and wintry and, you know, kind of thing where it's like going south would actually be uh, very welcome. Yeah, well, it's not too much warmer down here, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So we were getting some snow flurries, which was, you know, it's been really nice. Crazy. We've had some really nice weather. We got some snow flurries. Nothing stuck, but, but. Well, I was down there last week for the Nebraska Code Camp in Lincoln, and uh, it, it felt like it was warmer than here, but I mean, it was, what, 50 degrees and still needed a jacket. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's um, spring is on its way here. We've got green plants coming huh. up, so we're pretty excited about that. Do you guys still have any snow on the ground, or is that pretty much gone? It was gone. We we actually had a week, uh, about a week and a half ago. It was up in the 70s, and it was it was nice. But, of course, this is Minnesota, and then the tournaments come along here in the spring, and every time it's uh, tournament week, it snows. So we got to four or six inches you know, yesterday and the day before, and, slushed out about a half inch last night so yeah i heard from chris kenny he's uh he's in madison wisconsin and mm-hmm. he got a bunch like eight inches of snow the other day oh so yeah it's still that time of spring where it happens uh, we've got a lot of australian and uk listeners they don't really care mm-hmm. about this but especially the australians right we're coming into spring they're going into fall uh mm-hmm. so so they don't really care but uh, it's always good. Uh, we're all in the mid. We're all in the same time zone tonight, which doesn't happen all the time. And mm-hmm. of course, Mike uh, Mike Weger joins us from Omaha, so it's good mm-hmm. uh, good to have you in here. Okay, a couple things before we dig in. One, I want to. I think Dave and I have picked the dates for the meetup for this year. September twelfth looks like it's going to be the day. So, again, we're in Indianapolis. Uh, Mike Binkovich, you're welcome to come in as well. I'm going to try and drag Mike Weger out with me. Uh, to go to the meetup, but September 12th is the date down in Indianapolis, so you got to get there. Huh. And uh, it's a it's basically a Saturday. We we all show up on Friday, enjoy some adult beverages at the hotel. Then we on Saturday it's all tech all day, and 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 we usually get the Microsoft guys to join us. So you'd be you'd be really you'd be at home in <laughs> this uh, in, in in Indianapolis. We'll have more details uh, here in the next week or so, but we wanted to get that date out there, September 12th. So it'll be the 11th, 12th, and 13th. Uh, we get together on Friday night, show all day on Saturday. That comes with a visit to Fry's as well as a visit to the Microsoft Store. And last year, the Microsoft Store treated us really, really well. They gave us they gave us uh, gift cards. We've got some pretty nice uh, uh, swag. Got some pretty nice swag from them there, and uh, some other items, gift bag, and some of those things uh, came along with it. And then Sunday is a trip out to the Waffle House. You got to do Waffle House if you're. Uh-huh. You could do that anywhere except in Omaha. So we make a trip out to Waffle House. Uh, that's kind of become our tradition out there. This is the fifth annual one. If you're a new listener to us, you're welcome to come. There'll be 35 or 40 slots. It'll be 20 or 25 bucks just to help cover some of the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the event itself is there's no cost besides that uh, that entry fee to help Dave with the food. So if you want to keep track of that here, if you're if you're a listener, a regular listener, or brand new listener to us, I'll have more details on that in shows to come. But that is coming up. All right, I wanted to update you real quick. We had um, also out at TheAverageGuy.tv, Kingston had sent me this this five-in-one. Um, and let me go out to my post for it real quick so I can actually have some things to talk about. So this is a Kingston five-in-one. Um, they call it a mobile light digital mobile companion. And it's this is not new to the network for, from any means. Uh, they also shipped me a 16-gig uh, USB 3 flash drive with it, which is pretty nice. 
and then uh, and also an SD card that goes in here, 16 gig SD card that goes in. And really, it's designed to uh, to back up your phone and make as a, a Wi-Fi hotspot. Um, it comes with an Ethernet port, so if you if you're at home or on the road and you have access to an Ethernet port, but you want to share it across mobile devices, like in most cases, right? When we're out now, we have two or three or four devices, right, that we want to share it with. Plug that in; it will make its own hotspot. It, it won't. It, there's no uh, LTE on this, so you're not going to get a mobile hotspot like with with LTE. But plug it in. You got, like I did it at home. I haven't taken it on the road. The, it's interesting. It'll also charge. So it's got a 4600 milliamp. I think that's the right the right uh, terminology for it in there. It's advertised that it will charge the phone twice. Uh, in my tests, maybe one and a half. Uh, but at least it comes, it's good emergency power. The thing is super light. Like, so you guys, I mean, here's here's my iPhone, and there's the there's the device. So it's not too much thicker than an iPhone or even an Android. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll, be, I'll be fair. I've got a Galaxy S4 right there. There we go. So those are about the same size on that. And uh, super light and portable. If you were in a jam and you needed extra power, you could. It comes with a cable, a short cable that, of course, you would plug into the USB port on uh, on this side here. Oh, I got to take the cable out. Plug that in here, and of course, you could charge your phone. One of the cool things is you just turn this plug around, plug in the micro on the other side, and then plug this anything, and it will recharge the device for you. Device takes three or four hours to recharge. It's not the fastest thing in the world. That was in maybe another. Um, you know, kind of uh, a minus on it from that standpoint again. But if you were in a pinch, you could pull this out of your backpack. If you'd run out of cell phone battery, you could pull this out of your backpack. And uh, at least it would it would extend the life of your phone for a couple hours at, at a minimum uh, to get that to, you know, to kind of get you to where you're going. So I wrote up a post. If you head out to theaverageguy.tv right now and look in the review section, there's a post in there. One of the things, uh, it, it's really designed, there's an app that comes with it uh, for your phone, and it will back up your pictures to it like you do with the web. So maybe you're a guy that doesn't want to put your pictures on the web for whatever reason, but you still want a backup of them. You can put the, your pictures on a store, a bunch of pictures. Uh, and you're, only, you're really only limited by the SD or the, the, uh, the USB drive that you put in that you put in here, and so you could get one of those little flat ones. This is the one they sent me. Um, th these are ter terribly expensive. I got links to them all out in the post. I think these are oh, 20 bucks maybe mm -hmm. um, for these drives now, super cheap. Even uh, streamed a movie, so if you go out, to, you'll see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite movies of all time now, and uh, so I loaded that up. In fact, Mike Weger, when I give this to you, I'll leave the movie on there. So oh, how nice. <laughs> an MP4, squished down a little bit, but on a phone it looks great. Ran music off one phone, ran the movie off the other, uh, all via Wi-Fi work great. So um, now I had a question though. If you were traveling and if you were at, like a hotel with no Wi-Fi but Ethernet, could you plug the Ethernet in and get also Internet through that hotspot? Yes. Yeah, it okay. becomes a hotspot then, and okay. it uses the Ethernet, right? So it's a Perfect. gateway. Okay. At that point, becomes a gateway. Yeah. Perfect. Um, not terribly expensive here, guys. This was one of the interesting things that uh, when they sent it to me, they approached me. Not I didn't approach them. They just hey, can we send one of these things to you to kind of test out? Right now on Amazon, they're thirty bucks. All right. For now, that's minus the the memory, but you can put anything you can put anything you want in there. Thirty dollars right now on Prime gets it to you. Save forty. It's not a bad deal. And if you're looking for, we've tested a Rav Power. I don't know if you either. Of you guys heard of the Rav Power devices that that are made like this? 
Mm -mm. No, I have those? not. No. Okay. So Rav Power is another one that we tested here. I sent using the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund, so the Average Guy TV slash Amazon. Um, using that, uh, we bought one of those, and it's the same kind of idea. You load up all your music and all your movies. Then, in in a in a theory, you could the kids could connect to this with their wireless devices and play whatever they want. Right? They can play in. They don't have to play the same thing. They can do two movies, or they could do two to music streams or whatever, and you could, as you're traveling, you could back your pictures up to the device. So kind of cool for 30 bucks. That's not bad. Not, not a bad, bad deal, no, from a gadget standpoint. So the full review out at theaverageguy.tv, again, look in the reviews section for that. We want to, I'll just say I want to thank Kingston for sending it to me. It's going to make its way over to Mike Weger because he's in town, <laughs> and I just thought, hey, you should try this thing out. I gave it a good try. I, you know, with the reviews, I like to spend a couple weeks with it, so I've had this for a week or two. And uh, just been trying out in different scenarios. And uh, for thirty bucks, if you don't have something like this, not a bad way to get in. You're not gonna you're not gonna spend a lot. And uh, all the links, if you do use the links out in the post to buy it, of course, those benefit the tech scholarship fund. So give that a whirl as well. Guys, any questions that you come up with? I didn't. Let me check in the chat room. I think it's great for. Well, I was just thinking a use case for. I was traveling on the plane this this weekend, and I synced some movies to my iPad via Plex, which you know I could have synced them to my phone, my wife's phone, and the iPad. But if you had one of those with you, you could just have it on one place and not worry about syncing every time. And then we would have been able to be in the plane and stream on her phone and my phone. We could have watched two separate things instead yep. of sharing the iPad, which would have yeah. been nice. So. Yeah. And it, it runs off the battery that, that you know you charge on there. So yeah. interesting. It's, uh, as I was holding the device up, it was a, I was getting a little. Dude, were you guys hearing any sound issues with, with me and the device here? Like, well, of course you can't hear me because the device is in front. Of me, right? So. right. Well, it was cutting out even quieter than that though. It was going a little yeah. bit quiet and then loud. But I didn't notice it when it was the device was in front. I just noticed it normally. So. It could just be the it could just be the stream. Google's trying to adjust, and the problem is I go back and forth on this microphone, which I probably. Uh -huh. I need to learn to probably stay in the same spot. But um, anyways, check out the website. That is uh, just an update. We posted that uh, last weekend if you want to take a look at it. Kind of a fun little device, and for 30 bucks, I don't think it's a bad uh, to go with. Um, I told the guys at Kingston I'd be talking about it tonight, so if you're uh, hopefully that, uh, that works for you guys, and appreciate you sending that out. And, and I think a great device. They're actually uh, on their website. If you go out, they've given this away to some I think some musicians, and they took it on the road and did some stuff uh -huh. with it, so you can kind of follow that as well. Hmm. One, one reminder as well, when we think about gadgets, it's almost barbecue season, and back in the, at least here in the United States, if you like barbecuing, back in the fall, I did a review on the um, on the iDevices iGrill uh, Mini, which is a, a meat thermometer that you can use at your grill, and then it Bluetooth connects to your phone and it will send the temperature of the meat to you on the phone, which is really, really cool. <laughs> and uh, and so we tried, we put that up in the fall. I don't know, uh, I'll just remind uh, uh, folks that it's out there as well. Right now, that on Amazon as well, I think, is uh, is a cool 40 bucks. And so if you're, uh, uh, Brian was talking about, Brian Auer was talking about, uh, he's building some stuff with his smart things to uh, monitor a smoker. And, uh, and so uh, there's some cool stuff out there when you think about cooking. We're coming up on the Easter season, and uh, actually this thermometer wouldn't be a bad way to kind of check the inside temperature of the ham or the turkey or whatever your tradition is 
on uh, on Easter, and so you can check that out as well. Uh, Mike B, are you a barbecue at all? Are you? you oh yeah. You like to do that? Have you done any tech in your barbecue space? I beyond the uh, beyond the the matches to get it lit. You know, that's about it. Just, I think I think barbecue is kind of one of those primal things that, you know, it, there's there's a place for meat and beer, you know, and beyond that, then you're starting to get beyond the, the intent, which is to get away from the tech. I think. Yeah, now I like oh, adding tech. Oh, in. I like to I add like, tech. I like to the, get the get the updates on the uh, on the phone. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's uh, if you go out. So if you go out to theaverageguy.tv and look at the post right below the Kingston one for the device, mm -hmm. that's the review for it. I've got some screenshots of mm -hmm. what what it sends to you, and uh, and pretty 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 cool. At Thanksgiving, I cooked two turkeys with it, and so I put it in one until it was done, and then I pulled it out and put it in the other one, and the other one was on a colder side, so mm -hmm. it had to cook some more. I so wouldn't have known that if I didn't have the probe. So those are yours on the grill. Yeah, those are mine. Yeah, I, I field tested it with <laughs> with real turkey. So it's uh, those are the Thanksgiving turkeys, and um, I you know super glad I did because that turkey I would have pulled out with the other one. Typically, mm -hmm. I would have pulled it out maybe early. Now I I'd, I'd used the manual temperature gauges before, which right. would have caught it. But let's just say for a second I didn't. Uh, when I put that in there and I checked it, you could see the temperature go way down. I thought, ooh, this one better cook a little bit longer. So I pulled the one that was done off and let the other one cook for another 20 minutes in. Otherwise, I'd have taken that bird to family with a nice pink when you cut it. Little pink, and that's what you, you don't want pink with turkey, right? Uh, no. So, Mike, Mike Weger, are you you barbecue at all? Is that is that something that's been transferred into your family at all? Well, when I go home, yes, but being in the apartment makes it a little bit hard to to barbecue or anything like that. I do grill a little bit, uh, but not too much lately. But every time I go home, my dad and I love to do it. So, but no tech involved really. I, I'm kind of the same, kind of that primal, kind of just get out there and bare hands and just throw it on there and yeah, yeah. I was two for a lot of years but this I this this Ryan Parker turned me on to this device this this th meat thermometer that was USB and it was cool cuz it was cold outside it was thanksgiving and I just left the device out there and then I set my phone up on a little stand just watched it I like it. Yeah. Does it cool. keep your phone awake while you're while you're doing it? It doesn't. That's there's a drawback there because then you get busy doing something and and uh, at least on Android. That's I, yeah. I tested it at that time. I was using Android and it, it wouldn't keep the screen on. Well, I think if you had the screen left on, it might burn out the battery before you're done grilling. Yeah, you're probably you know? right. So there's probably a reason for it, but yeah, yeah you're probably right. If, so. if it had a camera on it, so you could watch. While it's grilling, because I mean, like sometimes you're doing steaks and you want to see the flame up. Yeah. Now that would be cool. Ooh, an all-in-one that had a little camera on the side. There you go. That you know that would maybe on a little stand that would pop up. And... Right. <laughs> Why doesn't it just cook itself? You know, really, it should just kind of just <laughs> pop, pop itself me? off the grill what? for me and put it onto my plate. And I'll just are you mocking me already? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, that uh, that review is out there as well. If you want to take a peek, it's, it was springtime. I'm going to do a lot more barbecuing, and so I'm looking forward to using. And the device has held up well. I actually used it indoors too last, uh, I think, Christmas. We cooked the ham that way, and I just it you know it doesn't have to be outside on the grill. You can use it. I use a little stovetop device to cook it, and you can plug that in. It works just the same, especially with those hams where they're already pre-cooked, and you're just warming them up. You don't want to overcook those things, and so it was really nice to. Have that available. So if you're the if you're the meat cooker in the family, you might want to go out and take a peek at that. Again, 
what I say, forty bucks. I think it's on Amazon right now. And, yeah. Uh, Thirty nine ninety nine. Watch the price because that thing fluctuates. I think I got mine a little cheaper than. Now, that. does that only work on the iPhone, or does that also tie into Android? Uh, Android as well. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's cross platform, and they have they have apps for both. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For both kinds of both kinds. For both of kinds of phones, yeah. Right. Okay. I don't think there's a Windows app yet, but uh, for Windows Phone, but maybe somebody will write that, you know, going mm -hmm. forward. Hey, there's an opportunity for you. Uh, absolutely, Mike Binkovich. Let's talk to you about the band because you, you mm -hmm. have you've got a Microsoft band on there. Tell me when you got it, how you're liking it. We haven't talked about the band here a lot. Here you go. Tie that into the to the Apple announcement here in just a second with Mike Weger. But how are you liking it? I am liking this. This is the uh, the band right here. It's got the little light there that kind of shines inside your body and figures out all the sensors and things. Um, so I went out and got this uh, last week before I went down to the uh, Nebraska Code Camp because I was uh, been building apps for um, just a variety of different things and I needed I'd like to do something with the uh, with the band be able to write code for it be able to build out some apps. I've been uh, pleasantly surprised at all the different things it already does. So you've got, uh, it, it comes with the ability to tell me um, you know, how many steps you've gone, it's got the, your heart rate and calories burned, which you know is presumably assuming that you're you know, moving at some certain kind of weight and, and speed. Um, but it also does, it, it'll uh, connect up through Bluetooth to your phone so then when it, once you've done that, then you can uh, get your text messages. will show up on there. Your, are, are you uh, a Windows email? Phone guy? Yeah. Okay. What, you, what are you carrying? So I've got, uh, well, I've got an iPhone 5S. Now, you're a mobile developer, I've so you've probably Android, got them all, right? I've got an Android uh, Note 4. I've got a Galaxy, uh, what is this, a, a Galaxy 4S. I've got a Galaxy 3 Mini. I've got a Lumia Nikon icon. I've got, um, what else do I have? I've got a bunch of them. Oh, and I've got this one, which is my uh, the one that I use every day, which is my uh, Nokia Windows phone, the uh, 820. Okay, so you're, yeah. an, eight, you're an 820 full-time guy. I use 820. I, I, I switched to the Android for a while and was using that. It was just... There's things that I just missed, like the updates on the stocks just showing up on a live tile. Those kinds of updates that don't show up on the other OSs is just, you get used to it, and it's hard to uh, switch, because it's too much work for me to actually click on an app. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the, the band isn't new, right? We've had mm -hmm. this thing out since November, at least, early late October, early November. Right. Uh, although they've been out of stock, is that what's kind of been, I mean, they just are coming back into stock? Was that, was the lack of stock what mm -hmm. held you back, or why'd you buy it now? Well, it was the lack of stock. It was, it's been out of stock. I've been wanting to get one since uh, January. Uh, my birthday was in January, so I was like, this was going to be the thing I was going to get for me. And I went out to Amazon, and they had them, and you could order it, and it'd show up, and it was like three ninety nine. I'm like, that just seemed like a lot, yeah, um, because they're not in stock. Well, then uh, when the iWatch started coming out, they said, okay, well, we're gonna stock up all the stores, and make sure everyone can get to it. They made an announcement it's gonna be available at Best Buy now, and all of these other places. So that day, I was like, okay, well, let's go and see if I can find one. Sure enough, at the uh, Microsoft store is one ninety nine. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it, and. Uh, just been just been working with it for about a week. Like I said, it's 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 a nice little device. Um, tell, tell me your favorite 
kind of as far as what you're working with, what's the what's the app or the killer app for you? The I know it does a lot. We've covered a lot, but what's the killer thing it does for you? Yeah, what do, what do you like best about it? So, the probably the, the the thing I use the most is when text messages come in, or uh, things. I'm working on a on a project for a, a startup where we're using text messages quite a bit. Where when you log in, we're doing two-factor authentication. You get the code to type in, and it shows up on the band. I don't even have to click anything, and it just shows up, and I can see what the code is and just type it in, which is nice. It'll display it for 10 seconds before it goes away. Um, the other thing that's nice on it is it does track your sleep, which is kind of interesting because you get those sleep rhythms. Have you have you looked at, at like you know the the different types of deep sleep versus you know the light sleeping? You know, you get I into. Had the, I had the Fitbit for a while, yeah, which measured all that. Yeah, so it, so I haven't had that. I thought that was kind of neat that it did that. Um, yeah, I, I'm still I'm still getting used to it. So, yeah. um, I do want to tell the guys in the out there if you're listening live or if you're watching the video, we have turned Mike B's video bandwidth down just because his up isn't great. We want to I'm make sure he gets good. Fuzzy. Great audio. So you're a little fuzzy. <laughs> you're a little fuzzy, and the lighting's the lighting's not great, and the, you know. So, but there there was some discussion out there about why is it, and it's like, well, we we purposely turned that down. So it's the Minnesota bandwidth. It's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where you've imported the sticks to get it. Right. Um, so uh, Mike Weger, of course, uh, on your show two weeks ago or three weeks ago, you talked a little bit about the the, the watch that's out, the Apple Watch that's out. And now, as you look at that, now that we've talked about the Apple Watch ad nauseum, although it's kind of really slowed down, way faster than I anticipated, the talk on the watch. Yeah, me too, because, you know, I'm used to, I follow so many Mac, you know, forums and news sources and podcasts, I was expecting it to be like a month-long conversation, especially because it hasn't been released yet, it's released in April, so I was like, well, they'll for sure keep the hype up, but yeah, you're right, no, it's, it's definitely toned itself down. Didn't they use like a special kind of gold for that? I don't know if it's a special kind of gold, <laughs> but I know that the gold version, I mean, it should be special for how expensive it is. But Well, did that not create the most lightning rod response when they put out a $10,000 watch? Yeah. Right? I mean, right. <laughs> you know, the emperor's clothes, right? It's one yeah. of those kinds of things you're like, seriously, guys, are you really going to put out a $10,000 watch? And mm-hmm. it, I think it, and Mike Weger, let me ask you, do you think that detracted from the conversation a little bit? Like people, because we all mention that now, and it's like, well, shoot, I'm not going to buy a 10000 Well, they're not all $10,000, right? <laughs> right, those but, are actually the ones that are in limited supply, not even sold at all the stores. But yeah, people wanted to pick up on the $10,000 watch. But I think... I think the reason that a lot of people are talking about the $10,000 watch is because when you look back at Steve Jobs and when he created Apple, yeah, I mean, their products are expensive, but he wanted really nice products for kind of people, but relatively affordable. And so I know that the that everyone says that Apple products are really expensive, but for what you get and the quality and the service you get from Apple after you buy their products, it's actually not too bad. So I think one of the things was, was is Steve Jobs kind of rolling over in his grave at the fact that Apple has now purposely created a product that is only for the extremely wealthy, the celebrities, the, the you know, fashion world. icon, you know, because this thing is not, $10,000 is not worth it for the the, the, uh, the technology that's in the watch, but it's, it's strictly for to have as a fashion icon or an icon of your wealth. And so it's not really what Steve Jobs built Apple on. So I think that was the interesting conversation that started after the whole watch debacle. So, 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where the, where the watch ends up. I mean, with with what it does, how it works, the price point, you know, right. you know spending a premium for a uh, for a, a laptop, you know, twelve hundred bucks for a, a, a you know an Apple laptop versus you know three hundred dollars for the Windows equivalent. Um, look, I could buy three of them for the same. You know, if, if the watch is something that, that goes that way, we'll see. Yeah. Well, and maybe I missed it when you were talking about it, but how much was the watch, or the band, I'm sorry? It was 199 Okay. So $200, and the entry point for the Apple Watch is 350 So, yep. yeah, you are looking at, you know, close to double, because especially because really, you know, the, the $400 to $500 range is the watch that most people, I think, are going to go for, especially when you start getting into bands and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm interested, too, to see where this will go. When it launches... You know, sadly, from Apple, we don't usually get too many detailed numbers, and so uh -huh. we might not even get the real numbers when it may come out. But yeah, I'll be interested to see how well it goes over, especially with the band already out and all the other great wearables from on the Android side as well. Uh -huh. So yeah, there's a lot of, of wearables out there. I mean, from the Fitbit to the Nike to all of those different ones. Yeah, the Pebble even. I mean, I even like the Pebble. Uh -huh. I, uh, I've played with that a few times, and I think that's just a, a fine wearable. So. Well, the, the, I saw an article in the newspaper in the Star Tribune today about uh, the effect of wearables on the human body being, you know, well, what about uh, the, you know, the frequencies that come off of these devices and you're like putting it on your wrist and now, you, you know, is that going to, you know, cause a tumor to grow there or, or whatever? Yeah, well, I've always wondered that because in college, I actually, my bed, the way the Wi-Fi was in our dorm building, there was only like four per floor, but it just so happened that the Wi-Fi was right above my bed in my bedroom. So I've always wondered, you know, how that's going <laughs> to, if I'm going to wake up one day and just have massive headaches, I'm like, man, in college, I really shouldn't have slept under that Wi-Fi router, especially the extremely strong industrial versions. Yeah. <laughs> well, the researcher that did this, it's like, okay, you want to, you know, contact him, call him on his cell phone. It's like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> How bad is it really? Yeah. Yeah. It it's well, to go back to the conversation, and so now Apple's in the in the market, right? And yeah. all the players have shown their cards. And so I, I think it's super interesting uh where again, what world do we live in where Microsoft now can actually iterate on their second version faster than Apple will be able to turn on their second version? And so they've, you know, they've gotten a solid look at this and I think they could turn some watches, they could take the, they could take the band and make some changes to it and release it even before Christmas mm -hmm. and iterate on some things where, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, they can play off of it. So, It'll be interesting to see, you know, they didn't sell a lot of, I mean, they didn't have a lot of bands available, and I think they kind of did that on purpose uh, well, at the beginning. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, it's just interesting how fast things are, you know, it, Microsoft, didn't they mention this week that they're going to have the Windows 10, like, this summer or something? Yeah, this summer, which technically goes, you know, until, like, August or <laughs> so. I used to work at Microsoft. That would give us August 31st at, you know, 11.59 p.m., <laughs> Uh, unless you're looking at, you know, possibly maybe October or, or November being the summer. It's the extended summer in uh, Australia, like you're talking about. Yeah, well, they're definitely ramping Windows 10 quickly. And uh, we just saw, if it is, as of, you know, today is March 26th, we just saw a new build last week, late yep. last week, uh, and uh, that's I, I load. That's the one I loaded to my Surface. I mm -hmm. said I would load the next one that came out, and that's the one that came out. And I've actually had very little problems. I haven't had no problems. It's it's not the most stable build, but 
it is uh, it is stable enough that I've got it on my surface and and that I'm mm. using it in that way. Um, and they are just quickly. I mean, they are quickly iterating on this Windows 10. It's dynamite, by the way. It's dynamite on a surface. It, did you did you load it native on the uh, metal, or did you have to? Or were you able to run it on the upgrade? PhD. I ran an upgrade. On okay. It. So yeah, I just I went through the Windows update and yeah. ran. You know, so it puts 99.26 on it first, right. and then it upgrades it to 10 10.36. I forget the number okay. is. Um, and so the most recent version uh, of it. And so it kept all my apps. Uh, I have Audacity on there. I've got Bitdefender. Kept all those apps, re, re, you know, changed everything around. It was interesting to see the 9926 version. I think those are the right numbers. Uh -huh. And see the changes as, it, as they made the icons change, the layout change, the start menu uh -huh. changes. And uh, interesting, we probably won't spend too much time talking about this, but the new pricing models as they are, are what they're talking about, which is basically... Uh -huh. Everybody's going to get it for free, which is, you know, kind of interesting. Right. Maybe a whole other show. We are going to have. I'll, let me pimp this. Uh, in May, I'm having Rich Hay come on from Windows Observers, and he will uh, Windows Observer, and he will have just come back from either Build or the, one of those developer that's in May, uh -huh. one of the developer uh, conferences. Rich is uh, writing over at SuperSite now for Windows. And uh, we're going to kind of do an exhaustive Windows 10 overview at that with him at that time. So we won't spend a lot of time here yeah. talking about that. But some interesting uh, interesting pieces. Uh, Mike Weger, so as an Apple guy, uh, we, we never really answered this question because we kind of dove into the $10,000 watch. But as an Apple guy, watch announcement, you kind of mentioned you like the Pebble, but any other thoughts on the, on the, the new watch? I think uh, version 2 is something to watch out for. Kind of like you were talking about with the band, I think, you know, this is the aspect I was kind of disappointed with with Apple because Apple has never really been first to the market with anything. What they do is they see someone come out with something and usually they're quick to hop on and offer kind of like closely after those first to market and usually they make it better. But I don't think any aspect of the Apple Watch was better than any other wearable out there right now. I think it's an option for people and if you're in the Apple ecosystem, it's great, but there was there was no aha moment with the Apple Watch. I'm like, there's their selling point on the Apple Watch that I can't get when I go to any other device. So that's why I think version 2 is going to be something to watch for. And just one of those reasons why, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't that one thing. They mentioned a lot of really cool stuff. NFC in the band is kind of interesting when you talk about it being maybe your key to your hotel room and you can program it to your watch and just wave your watch up by the hotel room door. Stuff like that is interesting, but nothing um, extremely innovative or new from Apple. And honestly, I don't like the look of it as much. I like the bands. I think the bands are extremely attractive, but the overall kind of clunky square wasn't really my style. I actually like the look of the Windows band. So, Jim, I think you and I are starting to Holy trade spots. Moly. I know. I, the what world, is happening? I have no idea. You're using an iPhone. I'm liking the look of the app, the Windows band, and I think pigs are flying outside. Oh. I just got to check. So. You better look out the window. They yeah. Might be, right. They might be out there somewhere. Holy so. cow. This is scary. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I appreciate the honesty on that, though, right? We 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 talk about Apple fanboys, and even I'm accused of being a Windows fanboy from time to time uh, on those kinds of things. So it's it's good to I I too I'm waiting for a version two. Uh, although Mike uh, Mike B, I hate to say that after you've just bought it. Yeah. I don't think I, I you don't have any inside. Are you an MVP for Microsoft? Um, I'm an I'm an insider. So talk about your relationship real quick with Microsoft, what you do along those lines, and do you have do you get any kind of information on the, from a developing uh, from a development standpoint about the watch? 
I have not seen anything. And they, as far as as far as what I've seen is that there's a there's some sort of an SDK. When you go out to the uh, MSDN site, they've got information about um, building for the health vertical and being able to push your apps through that. Um, but honestly, I've, I've had it for less than a week and I haven't dug into it yet. Okay. But I did I did ask around and, and someone said no, there's there's no GPS on it and there's none of these other things and they were sadly mistaken because there's definitely oh no. There wasn't, is yeah, and um, yeah, so it's a good little device. It's a good little device. I'm, I'm holding out for version two. I, I didn't like its bulkiness. I'm hoping they'll make it thinner and and a little more it, curved. It, it it does have the kind of a flat, you know, where you can rest your hand yeah. on the table and it doesn't like rock at all because right. it's got, you know about a three two inch kind of a nice flat. But on the other hand, well. It's it's something to play with. Yeah, no, I think it's a good call. I mean, for two hundred bucks, and I think mm-hmm. you as a mobile developer with the SDK, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things that uh, that that you're going to want to do with it. So I, I think that's a good that's a good call. I waited, and now I'm kind of at the point like, well, I think they'll they'll we'll probably be seeing some new watches in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the Windows 10 refresh and new surfaces are going to be coming, and there's going to be some hardware. So yeah, I, th- I think the fall. I think the fall looks super interesting for Microsoft. It does. <laughs> it's just I, like all the everything is coming together this fall, and they may actually have some devices before Christmas, which is which would be <laughs> amazing if Microsoft actually made a before Christmas you know deadline Drop. for some. Yeah, I mean yeah. it could be interesting. So I what just have you, have you heard anything or much about the Hololens? No, not anything beyond what they've what they've released in their yeah. uh, their public stuff. No, and I again, I think that's a Christmas. Did you just check out like a, a review? No, we did we did not. I was not uh, invited to those to those. We even when we were when we last time I was in Redmond, it was too early for those mm-hmm. things. So they didn't they didn't have anything for the MVPs. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine when we're back uh, in November of this year. Yep. We should see some. We should see some, or hopefully they'll give us access to some of those. Mm-hmm. I do think of a version of it will be ready for Christmas this year. It it's going to be a clunky version, <laughs> but I think they're going to have something ready for Christmas. So I think it's interesting. The new leadership at Microsoft it feels like they're moving on things in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know that where they were for a while, you know, a Windows company focused on Windows, Windows, Windows pushing. You know, everything is running on the Windows this and Windows that. And they came from the roots of being a software company of, you know, hey, we'll write software for everything from, you know, the original Apple to Eve to, you know, TRS-80s to anything that ran, you know, Microsoft would write software for. And it feels like they've come back to being a software company with the release of Office for Android and for iOS. I, I tell you, I, I absolutely love running OneNote on my uh, Android Note 4. It is my favorite little note-taking device because you, you you take this thing you take this thing out. It's the you know whatever and you pull out the the pen and it just turns itself on and um, it does all of the stuff syncs up with 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 you know everything on there. It's just sweet. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's amazing. All of a sudden they're everywhere, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they went from a year ago being nowhere except right. Windows phones and barely not even on that. To mm-hmm. they're on every device. You can get you can get Office everywhere. You can. I just got a flyer from uh, CenturyLink, which is kind of our DSL provider here in Omaha. 
and they're offering 365 Office 365 now as a standard. You get that when you purchase their 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 uh, wow. internet service. I thought I saw in the news was it today even that Samsung is now going to make the Office software on all their devices. Yeah, it's as far as standard. Is it being on there when you get the device? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, preloaded from that standpoint. Well, uh, you know, this these companies using the Office 365 subscription model, which is, you know, $100 if you buy it uh, retail. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to see more enticing, you know, hey, buy this piece of hardware, get Office 365. Well, I think a lot of people are going to get on Office 365, which gives you everything, and right. it'll, be, it'll be another monopoly, right, from that standpoint. Yeah. I mean, they already own that space. They're going to own it even more. I just thought it was just interesting, Mike Weger, you and I, have the same problems in Omaha. We have two providers, which is two more than some other places, right? <laughs> Cox Communications and CenturyLink. CenturyLink is DSL, Cox is cable. I wonder how long it'll be before Cox offers Office 365. And I assume you're on Cox Cable for uh, for internet. Yeah, I am. We have to be through our apartment complex, so I don't even have a choice. It's I'm Cox or yeah. nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah, I do have Cox, but I through Creighton actually we have Office 365 built in, and we get it for up to, or maybe it's not. Yeah, no, it is Office 365, mm -hmm. and so we get it for up to five installs, and so it works pretty well. So while being a student, you're usually pretty well taken care of on the, on that side, mm -hmm. software side at least. Yeah, I just think we're gonna see it. I think Cox is gonna kick that in here now that they're doing well, it. CenturyLink did it. Cox, yeah, they're always back and forth. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've been I've been debating when am I going to buy Office 365. I have, technically, I have a subscription to it through my MVP. I don't use it because it's kind of it's a mess to get a hold of. But, um, and I haven't been using it. But man, if Cox just offers the, they offer the version of it, mm -hmm. that's a no-brainer, right, Mike? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike, Mike Weger. And then Mike Binkovich, are you on 365 right now? Are you using that oh, yeah. as, as a standard? Yeah. yeah, I've been using it since it came out. Before it came out, I was on Office 2013. I mean, that's that's what I do do the work on. Yeah. But OneNote goes everywhere, and the fact that I can run it on any device now and get you know, the Android experience is pretty slick. Very impressive. No, it's, it's great on all devices. I've mm -hmm. been using it on my iPhone, and it... It's great, yeah. you know, and that's we do the show notes. Uh, a lot of the show notes that I do for Gallup are all on uh, OneNote. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, on the Surface, I can get them there. I can get them on my phone. I can get them if I need to use my Android phone as a backup. I can get it on my Windows phone. I mean, well, that's you know, you start talking about all these different devices, and I'm a developer, right? And one of the th interesting things about what's going on is that Visual Studio is now 2015 comes out. And if you get the preview, you'll look at it and you say it's got a thing for building Android apps and building iPhone apps or mobile apps, which it comes with the thing to be able to download and install the plugin from Xamarin where you can go out and build apps using XAML and C Sharp in one place and run it on all these different devices. Yeah, now, and this, let's let's shift to this really quick for you. We're not going to spend mm -hmm. too much time on it, but you're an, you're I, I mentioned you're an apps and a, and a mobile developer for that. From a, and it's so easy to get access to Visual Studio now. They have a light version of it, but Community um, Edition is what uh, was professional. Visual Studio Professional and Community Edition, I think, are almost identical. And Community Edition is now free. Okay, and how much is it if I were, if you were going to purchase it? Free? No, oh, it is free. Community Edition is free. Community Edition is free. Okay, so if I'm right. looking at developing apps. And mm -hmm. and I can do it, and and I use, uh, and I'm thinking about using XAML to do that, right? Yep. And how, do I have to pay to get access to that? 
you can use XAML to build for the Windows for free using the Community Edition, because or any 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 version of Visual Studio will let you do Windows, um, the the Universal Windows Store, the WPF Silverlight, all of those things that are built on top of XAML. Um, but to go to the Xamarin, which is the you know this third party has a set of um, what they do is they run Mono the, on the Linux kernel that basically allows you to run .NET there. And they've got a, a version that lets you go out and build your code through that inside of Visual Studio that then will publish out to it. And I think from Xamarin, they've got um, a licensing model that if you're doing stuff for like open source and some other things, you can get some of the um, editions that will let you do that. But otherwise, um, they've got a free version that is not in Visual Studio. It runs through Xamarin Studio. Um, there's a couple of different licensing models but if you want to do commercial stuff, yeah, you have to pay for the okay. uh, commercial license. Yeah, and so for you, give me an idea. You're using Visual Studio to build apps. Give me an yeah. idea of what you're working on. Just give us some examples of some of the stuff that you're currently working on. So, course, so leaving the companies yeah. out, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Without speaking of the companies, I'm yes. building, uh, working with several different companies, doing uh, a lot of stuff around cloud Azure stuff, um, tying in the Azure, what, what has been called mobile services, to source out the data, the identity and the publishing, the push notifications, uh, down to a Xamarin-based uh, app that runs on the Android and iPhone. Um, and then we also have an ASP.NET website that also uses the same mechanism to get to the data. Um, Microsoft this week, Scott Guthrie announced that they're wrapping the Azure websites, Azure mobile services, there's a SDK and I think a BizTalk-ish kind of a thing into a thing they're now calling App Services which is a way to kind of uh, allow you to extend that even beyond so that you can use that same set of services to go to, you know, across all these different devices. And so, so uh, speak specifically, mm -hmm. when, we think about, uh, when we think about Azure, how mm -hmm. easy is that connection to Azure? Because I, I got that notification too. I mm -hmm. use the Azure websites and they're like, hey, we're... I actually I get an email from Azure every week saying, "Hey, we're changing this, we're updating that, hey, we're another new service, <laughs> we're making things cheaper." I mean, it's crazy right. how fast Azure is changing. But from an average guy standpoint or average developer standpoint, mm -hmm. if I was interested in getting in this, and besides the software licensing, when we think about a Azure, what's that setup for Azure like to get the mobile services running in a place for your average app? So. At the uh, Code Camp, I did a 45-minute or 60-minute talk on using Azure Mobile Services to build apps. And in the course of that 60 minutes, we built eight different applications all using mobile services. The setup, it takes you all about uh, 45 seconds to a minute to provision a service. Once it's been provisioned, they've got some downloads so that you can get a quick start, build an application on Windows, go out to Xamarin, go out to native iOS, go out to native uh, Android, go out to PhoneGap or Cordova, go out to um, HTML and web. But it gives you all these things as a starting point, and then you can tie in um, identity going through OAuth to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of these different providers, even um, Azure Active Directory. So if, if you have an organization that's got AD running, you've got your, you know, your identity where you log in through your corporate credentials, you put that, if you sync that with Azure AD, you can use that to log into your apps. And um, literally, getting started with this, the, the Node version, which is uh, using like a JavaScript on the server, 
it's very quick and easy to get that set up and going. Um, and if you require deeper things, what uh, you can do is you can build it, the .NET version of it, which gives you even more granular control of a web API-based uh, service that then you can run locally while you're testing and publish it to the cloud when you're ready to do other things. So, Mike, I put your uh, I put your website out there, Binko, B-E-N-K-O tips, binkotips.com. If I'm an aspiring developer, what am I going to get from your site? How, how's that going to help me? There's a lot. There's a lot of code out there. Is what I saw well, when I looked. But what's out there? So the blog has got a lot of posts of what I've learned over the last three or four months of building with the Xamarin and the mobile services. So like gotchas. You know, how do you deploy this out? How do I get this to happen? Okay, I want to use a custom schema. Um, I've got a couple of posts I'm going to be putting out there for the push notifications to Xamarin forms. Um, there, there's three flavors. There's, there's a couple different ways to do Xamarin. One is to build natively to the UI where I'm using the um, Android markup language or the iOS uh, designer to do things, and it's, it's kind of a separate application. The other way is to do a common shared code library that shares code across all of them, and you build it once using um, the, the extended their XAML markup language like Microsoft uses. Um, slightly different syntax. Look at my blog post. I detail all the differences. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, on Banco Tips, you're going to find a lot of that stuff. There's some links to some talks on how to use mobile services that I've done. Plus, if you go to the downloads page, there's a bunch of uh, example code that you can use. Cool. And pretty cost-effective to be on Azure at this point for the, like, the average customer. Is that, a, is that a good move from a mobile services standpoint? So if you want to do development of a mobile service, the cost to actually set it up and get it up and running um, for up to 10 mobile services is free, including a 20 meg uh, database, which is pretty small, but you know it's big enough for if you're if you're a student you you want to go out and use it. Um, I think even as a student, there's uh, some like uh, different licensing that can get you uh, some free resources. If you have an MSDN subscription, you get. Uh, Azure resources included with that already. Yeah, not um, not unlimited. It's like I think it's a hundred bucks yeah. a month, but it's hard to spend a hundred bucks <laughs> yeah. a month. I mean, you can do it with a VM, right? When if mm -hmm. I run Windows 10 full time, full tilt with four CPUs, I'll use that hundred dollars by the end of right. the month, right? But right, but, um, but with yeah. with one of those one of those cores, you could run one of these app services, which would give you, I think, it's up to a thousand websites. Up in, in as many of the, the uh, mobile services running on that single machine that's kind of like your machine that you're paying mm -hmm. for that core size. How big is it and how fast is it? So you need yeah. to go out and see what the pricing is on that. But it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cost effective. And the thing is, once it starts getting expensive, it's getting expensive because you're making money on your application. So it's kind of a high-class problem to get to. Right. Yeah. It, by the time it's a problem, hopefully you're making money at that mm -hmm. point, and it's helping cover that. The the you mentioned uh, ten free mobile services. They also offer ten free websites. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, Mike Weger, you and I uh, talked about this early on, right? I think you even set one up. Have Have you done that? Yeah. Uh, I used to host on Azure before I moved over to Maple Grove Partners, and it was extremely easy. And I loved it, actually. I really liked it. It's a super simple WordPress setup. I mean, they've got WordPress down to like three clicks. And yeah. you're in, and it's set up. And so if you're, I've mentioned this before, but if you're like, oh, I, I really like to start blogging, but I don't want to monkey around with it because it's hard to get that stuff, and I want to pay for it. Well, <laughs> uh, Microsoft has actually taken all the complexity out of WordPress. 
and mm -hmm. uh, and it's a three-click setup. You can just set up an account. I think you do have to have a credit card to put the nope. to get the no, nope, not with Azure. Not anymore. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. Good. So you yeah, go set up a free yeah, account. Last I heard, the last iteration, they took the credit card requirement away. Okay. And Good. even after that, it's only paid. Nope. It'll stop when it runs out of out of yeah. the resources that you get with the free. Right. So if you go beyond free. Mm -hmm. It will uh, it will stop indeed. Mike, did you Mike uh, Mike Weger, did you you went with a paid version at one point, right? So you could do you could push your um, your custom domains over there, or did you stay free the whole time? No, I actually did the pay as you go. Yeah. So which works out great because even if you are worried about you know I'm not sure if I want to do it, you're only paying for how much traffic you're getting and how much you're using it. So you could have a bill that's you know. Five, four, five dollars, even if you don't get much traffic. So it's a it's a good way after you get past free. Even it's mm -hmm. not that expensive. So yeah, yeah. no, it's a nice yeah. setup. You do have to get out of the free mode to get your custom domains. Yeah, custom yeah, domains. That's why I did it. A couple bucks a month. Yeah, for yeah. sure. To, yeah. Uh, me too. So if you go out to the averageguy.me, that's my personal blog. Um, yeah. That's being hosted on Azure right now, and uh, and I've got that set up with. Uh, um, now I'm using my MSDN subscription, you so can do I'm that. Not, it, right, it's included yeah, you, in that. So it's it's sort of free, but you're already paying for the MSDN yeah. subscription to yeah, get yeah, it, yeah. or you know you have to have the subscription to be able to get those credits. But you can use those credits for anything. It's not yeah. like it can be dev. It can be it can be production. It could be running your your sites. No, right on. But even if I was paying for it, I think I have to work hard to make it like four or five bucks a month. I mean it. Uh -huh. I've got to do something to actually get that bill up um, mm -hmm. and and work on it. And that blog doesn't get a lot of traffic. I get uh, 20, 30 hits a day maybe mm -hmm. to it for whatever reason. But it, it's uh, it's uh, pretty robust and works pretty well. And uh, Azure is a great way to kind of an entry point to get in and and uh, and give it a try. So we've we have certainly talked about that before. Uh, uh, Mike B, anything else you want to add from a mobile development standpoint as far as uh, in the talk that you're doing, we talk about mobile development for the average guy? So as far as you know, how to get started or to play around yeah, with the... If I the was an average guy getting started, what would I, what, what's the, what, what, give me maybe two or three steps. What are some things I could do to get started? Well, you remember last time we talked, it was the uh, App Studio, which would give you the, you know, I think it's like six steps, and you get an entire app that's you know polished that you can put on your phone to do, you know whatever these things are. Um, from the mobile services side of things, go out and and, and play with it. The um, the the trick is to download the the samples. It'll create the app. It'll give you all the code. Um, it's well structured. You can see how the different mechanisms work, and uh, you can get it up and going really quick. All right, cool. Well, and I threw your website out there in chat. We'll make all that available in the show notes for this show mm -hmm. as well. Um, is yep. that okay if they were going to contact you? Mikebenko.com. Uh, uh, yeah. Say that yep. again. It's Mike at Benko, B-E-N-K-O.com, like my last name. Perfect. And that's okay if they send you an email? Absolutely. I guess it's got to be now. We just put it Follow out me on Twitter <laughs> at mbenko, and that's another way to reach, you know. Sounds good. And you're super active in the community as far as that goes. And then you're speaking all over the place. I mean, that's how I met you. Trying to. And yeah, well, it seems like you're all over the place. And uh, a little disappointed. We're, we're doing Infotech mm -hmm. again here in Omaha. So if you're a regular listener, you know, in the spring and the fall, uh, we take two days. We go to this conference, Infotech in the spring, Heartland Developer Conference in the fall. Mm -hmm. And I do eight interviews a day. They're a half an hour each, and they're on all kinds of varying tech 
conversations. We'll be doing that again this year at Infotech. That's coming up here August 21st and 22nd, I think, are the dates. So watch the network. I don't make a big deal about those live because it's during the day, and I've just found my listeners aren't listening to me live during the workday. <laughs> just right. I've tried this a couple times, and that doesn't work very well. But um, it, it, uh, we record those and make those available. That's Mike, kind of mm -hmm. how I met you. Yep. And uh, there's some interesting ones there as well. I want to kind of, uh, as we as we kind of bring this in for a landing, I want to talk a little bit, because you have an interesting mic device there. Mm -hmm. uh, when we first came on, your sound with the camera wasn't great. The, of course, the, job, the, the Jabra Speak 410 is what I'm talking about. That's a speakerphone you're actually using. And, yeah. I, and I assume that's USB, right? Plugged right it, into your computer? Yeah, it's a, it's a simple USB device that, I mean, I'll show you what it looks like. It's the Jabra... Uh, 410. It's got you know volume here that I can plug, go up and down. It's got nice little lights. It looks like a flying saucer sometimes. Here, say something so I can hear you. Pretty pretty easy to to make adjustments to it. And it's got the uh, noise canceling. So yeah, this is available on on uh, micro or on um, Amazon. Amazon for 67 bucks and uh, plugs into USB. Works great with Link. Um, works great with you know any video conferencing. And, uh, yeah, it, it's nice to just be able to talk. Yeah, and, and kind of, um, you know, we, for podcasting, uh, mm -hmm. we like, Mike and I, Mike Weger and I like these yeah. TR2100s, but I find, and Mike, I don't know how much of this you've done, but sometimes mm -hmm. I'll stay home and I'll, I'll, I'll make phone calls or video conference calls from the studio. And mm -hmm. I totally intimidate the other side when I'm calling into an <laughs> office because they're like, holy crap, are you... Are you in a studio? You know, or what, what's right. up with the microphone? The the microphone itself kind of intimidates people when you mm -hmm. when you do that, right? And when they see that, um, that Jabra, pretty good sound. Uh, I mean, it's it's speakerphone sound, so so maybe not as good, but good enough. And it's yeah. hidden, right? It's just sitting, it's sitting right on your yeah. desk, right? I yeah. mean, that's a pretty good pretty good option. It is. It, it, it's worked well. Again, this is another one of those devices I've gotten in the last three or four weeks. Um, just because I, the guy I'm working with kept complaining about how poor my sound was when we would talk, and he's like, "Here, you got to get one of these." So, went out to Amazon, picked it up. Yeah, I've been real pleased with it. Yeah, and and the amazing thing is, is typically on a speakerphone like that, we're gonna get fragments of echo no matter what we do, right? It's just gonna, Mike Weger, you know the deal. You've had this with your guests on open mic night and things like that, right? You hear those little digital artifacts back because it's noise canceling is not great. It sounds to me, we've been doing this whole thing for an hour now. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like the noise canceling is spot on. It seems like it. I mean, you guys sound right on, and you know. Yeah, and I you hear us for how I, how I sound. Right, you hear us clearly, and you haven't. I mean, so really for you, it's an all-in-one unit. sits on the desk. We're mm -hmm. getting pretty good sound from you. You're getting pretty sound, pretty good sound from us. Mm -hmm. Not a bad, yeah. not a bad way to go. So for less than seventy bucks, yeah, yeah. And they have a five ten, so I imagine it just gets more expensive from there. So mm -hmm. they've got a five ten for one hundred and fifty bucks if you want to make your way up. Uh, um, did yours come with the cool little case that uh, yes. you can? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, and and the cable when you wrap it around fits into the bottom really nice. It's like it holds itself all self-contained, so you just throw it in the bag and go. Yeah, and it must it have a, a fairly limited range too, because like when you just moved, typically on a speakerphone, you hear everything. 
Mm-hmm. And I heard you move a little bit, but it, it was muffled. Not not like we were hearing absolutely, you know, on a condenser mic. Mm-hmm. You you hear absolutely everything. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's well, pretty cool. The technology keeps keeps getting better. You know, the uh, with the Connect, you know, they've got the you know one of the things about the Connect is that it's got the eyes that can see you, but it also has ears that can hear you. And the uh, the sound on the Connect because they the, the engineers at, at the research you know did all this stuff with being able to detect where in the room you are. So like if you're using the the Connect on the Xbox, and um, there's two or three people in the room, and it'll know which person is the controller. And if you walk around, it'll follow you as you're talking hmm, with the right. sound. Yeah. yeah. And I, you got to think that these guys at Jabber are using the same you know, algorithms or something similar that they are just, you know, building on the technology. Pretty soon they're even going to be doing this, like, when you grill, they'll have, like, sensors that you can keep track of the temperatures on things. I kind of like that. I wish they would have a device like that. I'm waiting for that communicator device, you know, the Star Trek. And I was just thinking about that today. What was I doing? I was doing something in it. Um, I was like, oh, we were doing, a, uh, it was the Gallup annual stockholders meeting, and I'm a stockholder mm-hmm. Gallup. And so our CEO was in Washington, D.C., and he was in an office, and he was coming in on a conference call. In fact, Alan Oliver in chat said, it sounds way better than what's in the conference rooms at work, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and, you know, uh, if, you've, if you've got old conference room phones, they probably don't sound very good. Some of the newer ones are getting really, really good with the microphone technology, but I I had this thought today. He was kind of muffly, and it was room-soundy, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, I'd really like a wearable microphone that just gets closer, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, why don't we have communicators yet? You know, why mm-hmm. is that not? Personal communicators, hit the badge, and it's all right. set, and all said and done. So, well, maybe someday. Hey, I did want to play. I want to make a quick transition. Mm-hmm. Mike Weger, get ready here. Kyle gave us a phone call uh, to, uh, and this is that uh, number 402-478-8450. Kyle had a question on uh, on the uh, routers and so um, re- extenders in particular. So let me play this, and then Mike Weger is going to have an answer for us. Well, let me play it. Here we go. Hey, Jen, this is Kyle. Um, I just wanted to uh, throw out a question. And um, I was thinking that I've never had a need to run a um, a Wi-Fi extender or like an extra access point in any of the, my houses or anything, but I keep getting people asking me how to do that, and I don't really know what to tell them or how that works. So I wonder if there's maybe some guys in the community that have done that, and maybe they have some answers that could, you could put on the show and just how you set that up and which kind of equipment you need to do a wireless extender and how you handle like having multiple SSDs or if it's all the same one or how that works. And um, I don't know, maybe if there's somebody out there that needs one of those, they could, it'd be a good thing for them to pick up with the Tech Scholarship Fund or something and they could do a review of it and try it out and let us know how it goes. So that was my question. See ya. And that's how you do a call in to Home Gadget Geeks. Nice job, Kyle. Mike Weger, you've got a little input on this. Yeah, I do. So the first thing you want to make sure is actually anytime you're adding Wi-Fi hotspots to your house, a lot of times you're just going to be using maybe 
the same exact Wi-Fi router that you mainly use. You just bought an extra one. But you want to make sure you actually only have one device doing the routing. So my first piece of advice is make sure that your extra one you're adding into your network is not set up to be another router. Um, for most home situations, you're only going to want one device doing the routing. Um, but besides that, when you're adding in these second devices, pretty much what you want to do is you want to name them the exact same SSID as your original Wi-Fi and also have the exact same password and make sure you're using the same password uh, protocol. So it's WPA2 or whatever. Just make sure all the settings are exactly the same. And usually your computer then or your phone or whatever device is smart enough to pick up the one with the strongest signal. And since it has the SSID and the password, it can bounce back and forth between the two as you walk around your house. Um, with the Apple side, I have done this a few times with Apple branded routers and they actually make it pretty easy and I'm guessing some of the other brands do this as well but when you set up, when you do your initial setup of a brand new Wi-Fi router, usually it'll ask you, hey, do you want me to set up a new network or do you want me to extend your current network? So on the Apple side, you would choose the selection of extend current network and you it asks you, okay, which network do you want me to extend? You pick your home one, enter the credentials and you're off to the races and you should be good. If you can, a good suggestion would be to run Ethernet to that second Wi-Fi hotspot because it's the hard part is you need Wi-Fi in an area of your house where you don't have Wi-Fi, but how are you going to set up an extender if you don't have the Wi-Fi originally? So I actually have a call coming in here, sorry. <laughs> so I had to mute that. But um, so you, if you can run Ethernet either via power line or some way, that's okay. But sometimes you might have to move that router closer to your home than you want because obviously you need to be able to pick up a signal to redistribute that signal. So it kind of gets a little bit complicated when you think about where to put these, but if you can run Ethernet to it, that is the best option. Uh, but those are just a few of the tips that I had for the question. So hopefully that helps, Kyle. Yeah, there's a variety of, as we looked on Amazon in the pre-show, there's a variety of options that you can you plug those into power outlets. You can run them a, a variety of different ways that are yeah. there. We did try out. John uh, took the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund and we bought him the Wi-Fi dual band range extender from D-Link. This is the AC750. Didn't work real well. John had a lot of trouble getting it work. This is the one bad story we've had out of the you know the tech scholarship fund that we've done. Um, he he gave it back to me at the meetup uh, last September. Said, "Can you make it work?" And I just haven't tried. Lopta has some great advice in chat. And he says, "If you don't have to extend, don't do it. It's mm -hmm. not something that uh, not something very easy." And the I think, Mike Weger, what you're saying is they can get confused they, if you don't do it exactly right. And, right. You know, there's some problems mm -hmm. with that. So, um, yeah, and Lopta's point, too, of doing an access point instead of a router, that's always a good option. Usually they're a little bit cheaper, and you don't have to worry and make sure that you turn the routing features off. But I've done it before where I just turn the routing features off, and you pretty much just put it in... Um, I want to forget the mode, but pretty much it's just the extension. It does no routing. Is it so. Gateway? Or, uh, yeah, or is bridge mode. Bridge, um, gateway, yeah, something, bridge. Like that. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, I have one at home. I just have one. Uh, Mike B, you probably one. just have one, right? Yep. Mike Weger, you're you're running just one, right? I'm running just one, yeah. Your apartment. So you name um, it totally free Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I name it FBI surveillance van. That's uh, that's my favorite. That keeps people off of it. I got some sure. paranoid neighbors in this apartment complex. That would be N NSA zero zero seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> NSA router. Uh, is a good way is a good way to do it. Or watching, we're watching you, <laughs> right? Something like that. If you do have to do that, let's take this to the Facebook group. So head out to the Average Guy uh, Facebook group, uh, and many of you are involved. If you're not, if there's links to it out at the AverageGuy.tv, 
look for the tab that says Facebook. It'll take you right to it. Just ask to be in there, and uh, that will will let you in. What I'd like to know is if you are using an extender or you are you got multiple routers in your in your house, if you could drop a note on what's working well or anything that you recommend from that standpoint. And Schoonover, I'm talking to you in particular. I bet you've got some advice you'd like to throw in on that. It seems like you're testing everything. And uh, so join the jump into the Facebook group. Let's just take that out there. Kyle would love to have some suggestions. I don't have any good. I've never bought one, so I don't have any good recommendations on that. If uh, we make a good recommendation and you're in a situation and want to try one of those out, let me know. That's what the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund is for. If anytime you purchase from Amazon, if you go out to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, I just keep those dollars available for you. And we try to keep that uh, around 100 bucks. I'll fudge one way or the other a little bit if we need to. And uh, I'll send that to you. You'll test it. You'll write it up for us or come on the show and talk about it. And then you get to keep it. So it's not a bad way to go. That was really the best way for me to get honest reviews. I mean, I was even, when I did this Kingston thing, because they sent it to me, you know, it's still, it's really hard to do. You know, you just feel bad because you're like, uh, do I say the battery isn't as good as I'd like it to be? Does it not get two charges? You know, yeah. So, but when we buy it, there's no rep out there waiting to see the post who's going to give you a bunch of crap if you write bad stuff about it. So um, that's what we like to do with the Tech Scholarship Fund. And if you're interested in doing that, let's jump in the Facebook group, see if we can get some recommendations. And then if somebody wants to do a review on it, that would be great. A couple of reminders as we wrap things up here. Um, recently, I mentioned this on a show two weeks ago, I've been getting tons of people signing up for the newsletter. I don't know if they're real or not, but if you've just joined us, maybe you came in from one of the many outlets, Audio Boom or Clamor. By the way, we should talk about Clamor. Mike Weger, remind me to talk about Clamor. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Writing it down right now. <laughs> yeah, I do C-L-A-M-M-R because the E-R was probably already taken. But C-L-A-M-M-R, it's a, it's a podcasting audio service. That's kind of interesting. And so... Um, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, anyways, uh, we, where was I? Oh, maybe I'm getting a lot of links to that back to the newsletter. We've been getting a lot of plays out there. And I, all of a sudden, we went from having 70 people signed up to 270 people signed up for the newsletter. And the newsletter is not that exciting. <laughs> if you do want to see an example of what it looks like, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. And all the, all the back episodes are there on the site. I try not to make it a secret, but it's just a great way to... Oh, isn't this great? Look what was just delivered to my desk. That's it's a good way to end the show awesome. right there. Oh, well, there we go. It's going to be uh, what uh, they call over there on Surface Geeks. This is going to be Snack Break Weekly <laughs> as soon as we're done here. So mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, so hopefully, I'd love, uh, I'd love if all those uh, addresses that I've got in there, I can't imagine why someone would be spamming me. We talked about this with John Nye the other week. I'm like... Who could really take advantage of putting in fake email addresses on a subscription email list? Mike Mike Binkovich, maybe I'll run this by you. Do you see any advantages to someone putting fake email addresses in a subscription to an to a email newsletter that you know in Mailchimp? Do you, are there is there an yeah. exploit that you're aware of or anything? Isn't that weird? Why would you? Well, if you just don't want anyone to send you anything. Well, then, no, but. Why would, yeah, I mean, what's the advantage to signing up with fake email addresses? I, I wouldn't get that. So I'm assuming they're all real. Uh -huh. This is this has all happened since I put out the last newsletter uh, uh -huh. back at the beginning of the month. You know, so we had 60 or 65, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm getting 9 or 10 a day. 
uh, signing up for. And it's odd. It's always 9 or 10, which just makes me think there's mm -hmm. a bot. But I can't figure out why people would, why a bot would run and sign up for a newsletter that I'm going to send. I, I don't get the... I just don't get the business model. So if you Mailchimp got, doesn't promote certain lists, do they? No, like, no. Uh, I was, okay. It's I, I'm gonna send you an email back. That's all you're gonna get. I don't, right. I don't, I don't understand. It's the weirdest thing. So, well, but, if, if you have to use an email to get something else, you know, like a download or something like that, and I have to create an account. Yeah. That's one thing, but to sign up for a newsletter with a fake account. Yeah. For uh, you don't get anything in return. I, I all I say is I'm gonna send you another email. Right. It's like. Right. What what so I know if it's a scam I don't quite understand it. Hopefully for the two hundred and sixty of you that have signed up, hopefully they're all real people. I'd love to have you getting the newsletter. Really the newsletter is if just kind of keeps you up to date on everything that's going on in the network and that way if you don't follow me on social and surprisingly a few of you don't, that's fine. Twitter and Facebook aren't for you, that's fine. The newsletter comes out with everything that's going on here in the community. And I've gotten several feed, uh, several comments from people back saying, hey, thanks for doing that. I don't follow you on Twitter or on Facebook. I don't do that. And so if you're not in that uh, situation, you might want to do the newsletter. You get nothing for free. It's just mm -hmm. email for me once a month. That's all. That's, that's all that you get. One final reminder that we're out, eat, we're out uh, every Saturday morning out at Ask the Podcast Coach. If you're a, an aspiring podcaster, you're thinking about podcasting, or you want to hear more of me, I don't know why you would. But in case you do, 9.30 a.m., uh, Central, 10.30 Eastern, out at askthepodcastcoach.com. A very fun podcast to do. Many of you have, you guys hang around for Home uh, home Server Show and Surface Geeks and some of the other ones that I do, but I really enjoy hanging out with Dave Jackson on Saturday mornings. And we have a call-in, right? You can call in and uh, ask your questions live, which is a lot of fun to do that as well. With that, I will say, Mike Binkovich, thank you for, uh, for coming on. Always great to see you. Hang around for some post-show action, but thanks for coming on. Great to have you. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Great to have you on, Mike Weger. You made it through too. You've uh, we've we've done it too now. Congratulations, and I think you're you're gonna stick. And I like it. Sounds good. I'll be back good. next week. It's good to have you on. We had we had that one weird moment where you where I was Apple and you weren't, and it was like I don't think that? that'll be the last time either. Surprisingly. <laughs> no, so. I I appreciate that. You're gonna make a great co-host on here because you're you're not the typical Apple fanboy. I mean, you appreciate what they do, but when they're not doing it right, you're going to kind of say it, right? Right, right. That might disappoint some people because I know it's always good to have a nice fanboy to bash a little bit, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, try, I try to stay right, you know, be be uh, okay with both sides. So Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. It. I do appreciate that. You can have all the fun you want on uh, on your show. Open, again, open mic night, omnpodcast.com. Oh, uh, Yes. Available as well. And if you want to catch an Apple podcast each week, Mike's out there and doing a great job of it. So good work. Good Thanks. Work. Yeah. It's uh, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. So I know actually Ken in the chat room alerted me that this week I had it posted wrong on my website. I had 8 p.m. Um, Pacific. So, and it's not. <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern. So. It is 7 p.m. Central here in the Central Time Zone. And uh, get over there and catch that. We have a, um, we're going to have Nathaniel and Kevin back next week. This is the free antivirus um, show that we've been talking about. So, Mike Weger, you might want to bone up on your, on your uh, 
Windows free <laughs> antivirus stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I don't need that stuff with the systems I use. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you'll or you'll just be sitting around as we're talking about free antivirus. But that came up in a discussion a couple shows ago, and a couple of the guys were like, "Man, I'd really like to talk about that again." So it sounds great. Nobody, nobody else is talking about it. You'll only find it here on Home Gadget Geek. So we're going to talk a little bit, a, a little free, and then I've got a couple. Uh, I've got a special guest coming on April 9th, which I think you'll really like. And so I, it's, he's. Uh, I'm hoping to get him confirmed here shortly, so I won't say who until we get that done, but that'll be kind of cool. And then Andy Sokolovich will be back. He's just a super fun guy, and uh, we'll have a fun podcast when he comes back. Paul Brarin is coming in on April 23rd, and so you want to be a part of that. And then right now I've got Ryan Parker scheduled. We're going to do a kind of a pre-Easter. We, we, we're trying to work Ryan Parker twice a year, right before Easter, right before Thanksgiving, and we talk about tech and cooking, which will be kind of fun. Of course, Ryan brought in that uh, the mini, the iDevice mini grill temperature thing last year that we talked about, and we just talked about tonight. So he's going to come on and talk about Easter cooking. And then I mentioned May 14th, Rich Hay is on uh, from Windows Observer, and we're excited to have Rich on. We'll talk a ton of Windows on that night as well. So we got a lot of things scheduled coming up here at, uh, at uh, Home Gadget Geeks. We'll be back next Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. I got my voice back, which I'm super excited about. Here at TheAverageGuy.tv slash live, of course, there's all kinds of ways to subscribe. If you're new to the network, we've got lots of things going on. If you have any questions about how to get subscribed or any of those kinds of things, don't hesitate. Send me an email, jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. I can help you get set up on all that stuff, and we'd love to have you as a part of our community. Thanks for the live show, stay or for the live uh, guys mm -hmm. who came out tonight. Stay around for the post show. Good night, everybody.